Let's be honest, parenting can be messy and hard, but also so rewarding. In this podcast, we'll share all the ups and downs of parenthood, as well as share some of our favorite tips and tricks for parenting using both our experiences and expertise from our professional lives as a speech and language pathologist and teacher, but also our everyday lives as moms just trying to balance it all. We're so glad you could join us. Hello and welcome to And Then We Had Kids. I am very excited. I know Sheen and I are both really excited for this week's episode. We have another guest on our on our podcast and we are really excited that they're here to share their story. Sheen and I, you know, we always think about what's going on either in our lives or the lives of those around us and coming up for April is autism awareness month. And that really has hit home for us in various ways. You know, with our experience in special education, we have had our, you know, we've supported a lot of families. So um, with kids who are on the autism spectrum, but we wanted to also find a mom who is experiencing that herself. So we have Kim here and Sheena can introduce her even more. Yeah. Um, So I'm Sheena. I'm the other host of, and then we had kids and I'm super excited to introduce our guest today. Um, Kim Drummel is the founder and owner of Simply Blissful Boutique, which specializes in natural bath and body products, including really amazing um, and unique bath bombs, body butter, sugar scrubs, and so much more. Um, I personally have purchased several of Kim's products and I enjoy using them as gifts for my nieces or my sister-in-law or whoever. Um, but Kim is also a mom of four and a former home daycare owner. Isn't that correct, Kim? I feel like I remember you doing that back in the day. Yes, I did. Um, I did daycare for almost 10 years out of my house. Oh my gosh. Bless your heart. So like when we're talking about kids, you, you really truly know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, for me, um, (laughs) Early childhood was always something that was kind of a piece of my heart. I always loved teeny tiny little kids and and playing with them and and learning about their development. And so that was always something that um, I wanted to do. And I, um, I was very happy and grateful that, you know, my husband was totally on board with me quitting my full-time job after we got married and, and starting up this little dream that I had of running my own daycare. So. How many kids did you have? I'm I like also curious about those things. I mean, everyone's always nowadays, especially with like the pandemic, childcare yeah. has just been like a hot topic of like, do you do nanny? Are you leaving your own job? Are you sending them to daycare? How many kids did you have? Um, the most I ever had at one point total was six, but three okay. of them were mine. Gotcha. So it was my three. And then I had um another family, three other children. So that was that was Amazing. the the craziest. Yeah. The craziest. Like, Crazy and fun, right? It was. Um, yeah. and, um, it was great way for me to work and also socialize my children, um, because they were growing up in this daycare. And it's, it's interesting to see that, especially my eight-year-old is in school with some of these babies that, you know, I would have, you know, I remember there was one boy that was a day older than my eight-year-old and and they, you know, I had him growing up and now they're both in second grade and it's just weird, you know, to see there, um, quite a few kids that, you know, I know are now, you know, in 
you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, I'm thinking to myself, like, how did this happen? <laughs> you're oh like, you're gosh. still three in my mind, right? Yeah. 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 Right. So knowing that we're entering Autism Awareness Month, obviously Jenny and I can speak about it from the professional lens of supporting students on the autism spectrum, but I thought it would be helpful for our listeners to really just hear from a mom who's experiencing it herself with a child on the autism spectrum. So Kim, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off with a little bit about yourself and your family um, and what it's been like kind of navigating this journey of special needs parenting. Yeah, um, we have four kiddos. They're 15, eight, seven, well, almost eight. So I'll do 15, seven, six, and five. So I had three oh um, within a little under two and a half years. Um, oh which my is, God. You're like power woman. Holy cow. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's quite funny because um, we want, more kids and we tried for a very long time yeah. and um I found out I had some medical issues and I ended up going through radiation and we just didn't think it was going to happen and mm-hmm. a year later I found out I was pregnant and I had oh in May of 2014 a perfect baby boy and my husband and I did a lot of talking and we just decided to throw caution to the wind. It took us yeah. several, several years to have baby number two. Uh-huh. And we said, if, if we were lucky to have a third child, we, we'd be thrilled, yeah. you know, yeah. like if it happened, yeah. you know? So, um, when my second was about six months old, I found out I was pregnant again. Oh my and in oh my goodness. end of August of 2015, I had a little girl. And we said our family was complete. Uh, it was perfect. Two boys, a girl. Everybody has their own room. I just had two back-to-back <laughs> babies. So there was no, I mean, inclination really? of yeah. one, a fourth. And uh, about three and a half later, three and a half months later, I found out I was pregnant again. And um, I think I was just at this point, like, of, of course I am. Yeah, right. You're like, here we are in the beginning, thinking and no, and all the the stress around it. And then, wow, four. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my, my third, my third child, uh, my daughter and my fourth child, a boy are a year and 10 days apart. So they're, oh my gosh, very, very close in age. So, um, but yes, it is my youngest that, um, that we were talking about, but yeah, so it, life here has always been kind of chaotic and crazy with, you know, always having kids here. But, um, I think it's, it's a lot easier now that they're five, six and seven and 15. Um, (laughs) I think like the gap always throws people off. I always usually start with, well, I have a 15 year old and seven, six and five. Yeah. Right. Well, there's there's a bunch other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. There was definitely a few years that were a blur, but, um, it's, it was definitely, oh my gosh. Yeah. Baby stage with three of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, but I mean, they are all super close. They, and it's great that they're kind of built in best friends and it's, I do love that. Yeah, it is nice, you know, so I'll take it, you know, it was my, my bonus gift, my, my 
fourth unexpected present is what I call them. Like I, I didn't expect ever to have four children and I'll take it. I wouldn't change it for a world. Yeah. And so having four, and I feel like, you know, she and I both have two that naturally, like, I feel like there comes this like comparison of like what they're each doing when, like the milestones they're hitting or they're not hitting. Um, or like my daughter, I have said this a few times, like her language is incredible. And, but she had to go to physical therapy for like walking and crawling and all that stuff. Whereas my son, he's like an animal. He can like, he loves crawling on things, fearless, starting to talk a little bit more. How, and you said it was your youngest son that we're kind of going to highlight um, in this episode, what were yeah. some of the signs? And I would imagine, you know, again, having four, what were some of those signs that you're like, um, something's yeah. like, you're you, you're, you're different. Like some, something's going on here. Um, or wasn't, there wasn't any. There, there was a lot. And I do think that it had to do with the fact that, you know, newborn to three was what I had been doing for so long that it was something that I'd studied so much. Yeah. And, um, I, I always knew, like, I never compared kids because they are all so incredibly unique and beautiful in their own ways. So, you know, so nice to hear. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I, that's, it's so hard and knowing like I coming from you and knowing that like, that's, it's so helpful to like hear that too. Right. And it's totally, it's so much easier to say it to people <laughs> than to like to really take it yeah. in. Because um, yeah. I would have parents that would be like, well, your daughter's walking and mine isn't. I'm like, yeah, but you know, my second born didn't walk until he was gosh, 15, 16 months old. I mean, yeah. and yeah. So, I mean, they, but you know what, he's, he's pushing eight and he runs and walks and plays. You wouldn't know that it was slightly after the quote unquote time that. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, they all get there in their own time. So for me, it was never, um, I never thought to compare my youngest, Mm -hmm. um, but there were just things that were, um, very obvious. Um, like I had mentioned, um, earlier, like he was crawling by around four months old. Um, at one point around four months, when he started crawling, he stopped gaining weight and Mm. we went to every specialist that we could go to. He was growing in length, but just not putting on weight. He was eating plenty. And finally, um, a specialist said, is he always this active? And I was just like, uh, well, yeah, this is hardly anything. And here is this like five month old who's crawling around a doctor's office, trying to pull himself up. Yeah. And he's like, I think he just needs a high calorie formula. He's burning off way more than he's taking wow. in. And sure enough, he just started growing at that point, but, um, he was walking by eight months, um, nine, 10 oh months he was starting to crawl out of his crib. So I, I can't, that was you said 10 months, he's crawling, anxiety. Out of his crawling out of his crib. Yes. Like, and, and oh that God. was like our first, like how at 10 months old, a child doesn't have the cognitive ability to realize cause and effect or really yeah. even safety or any of those things, yeah. or even right. like, you know, even with like a two-year-old, it would be difficult to say, okay, we're going to put you in a big girl or a big boy bed now, you know, cause you know what another sibling's on the way or whatever the issue is, you know, transitioning that's, it's easier to do with a two-year-old, but it's still a challenge. 
yeah. you know, to do it with an, pretty much an infant, you know, it was it, right. not, it was a mattress on the floor because I, we didn't know what else to do, but we couldn't keep them in a crib, you know? So, yeah. um, by 15 months, this sweet little boy, he knew, and, and you knew it in his face. He would just kind of look at you and yeah. give you this, this cute little smile. And, but he would climb over baby gates, climb shelves. Um, he was jumping off of couches, anything that he could climb and get into, he was doing it. He was, um, running through my house. Um, it, but then it, it got to a point where we started to realize that safety was a major concern. So yeah. putting him to bed at night, um, things like we had to remove all of the furniture from the room because it turned into a gymnasium for and him and yeah. obviously yeah. not safe, you know, when, um, but he was, I think the first thing that we did, cause he has a walk-in closet in his room that had a dresser in it. So the first thing my husband did was like, well, I'll just get a chain lock and put it up at the top. And here is this little 15 to 18 month old boy that's like, okay, I'll just slide my mattress across the floor, pile up some stuffed animals in my blankets until I can tippy toe and climb up there. And he would get his foot onto the handlebar and then, or onto the doorknob and yeah. reach up. To, it was like I mean, a challenge. He was like, I see something new. I'm going to try I'm and figure it. out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, um, it just, it was conflict. But then the second issue was not only keeping him safe in his room, but keeping him in the room so that he wasn't getting out in the middle of the night and sneaking downstairs and um, finding things that, you know, little, I mean, at 15, 18 months old, we don't need unsupervised children downstairs in the middle of the night. Right. No. So um, I think the very last thing that we ended up doing, despite all the locks and all the gadgets in this room for him, um, we uh, ended up having to lock him from the hallway. Mm -hmm. Like we reversed yeah. the door locks. And um, I, I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I just am not comfortable with not being able to look in on him. So we sawed a hole or cut a hole in the door. So I'm like, we'll replace it someday. And it's still <laughs> there. Uh -huh. <laughs> So there. Um, but I mean, he, he had a very safe, cozy room. I mean, he had books, he had his lovies and his blankets and, but there was nothing in there that could be plugged in because there was uh -huh. like no cords. Cause I mean, that was a safety hazard. There was no, yeah. Yeah. you know, we had um, like baby proofing to the extreme. Yeah. So um, it was the, the night that we ended up switching the locks um, on the, the handles to lock him from the hallway or from the outside. Um, he realized he could, he climbed up on the windowsill and ripped off the safety locks off of his bedroom window. And he fell wow. out of his bedroom window that night and broke his oh femur. My gosh. So, oh, what, during so, all this. Yeah. yeah. Well, during so, that, so if you, what was like, I know we'll get to like, okay, you know, the, the diagnosis in a moment, but like, what was your pediatrician telling you or or if you were asking about them, what were they saying? Like, it's, it may be just this, or, or did you, yeah. were they given any guidance around? I feel like it would just None. be like, we'll wait and see kind of thing. Um, at 15 months, I started asking for like an EI evaluation, like just maybe some OT. Yeah. Um, is that I, I think my 
my brain never went to autism, but I definitely knew that there was some sort of sensory thing going on. Cause I mean, even when he would walk, he would stomp his feet. Everything with him was very forceful and very, that gross motor movement was necessary yeah. for him. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, first my pediatrician said that he was too young to really start looking into sensory issues with him. Okay. Um, too young for any sort of diagnosis or medical right. intervention. Um, by 18 months old, she started saying things like, well, how many kids are you taking care of? Could it just be that you're just too busy oh. and he's just too oh. much for you to handle? And I was like, Oh, that one no. must have been hard like, to this hear. That's you're like you're missing the mark. I appreciate yeah. maybe yeah. coming at it from a helpful way, but not helpful. Well, and that's what I told like, this is what I do for a living. Right. Yeah. So this is like yeah. I mean, this is like, yes, I am a talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is, you know, I'm like I I study this. I I know how I know there's something just not, but it was also that mom gut too, where it's just like yeah. this this isn't this is a typical behavior of a typical child, you know, and I, I hate using typical because kids are so yeah. different in their own yeah. unique yeah. way, but we understand. Um, yeah. I just knew like something was off. And even after him um, falling out of the window, I felt that she still didn't really listen to me. Like things, even that, like, and, and that whole journey in itself is a total different sidebar, but um once, once we got him healed and I think Sheena might remember part of the story, it was an entire summer and we're still working on it. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a, an entire summer of just crazy medical stuff that was going on. Um, okay. aside from, um, his sensory and all this stuff that, you know, we've already been dealing with, but when we got out of that medical storm, um, and back into, real life, I, his things just got worse and worse and worse until one day I went to my pediatrician in complete tears. I had to stand in front of the door and he just wanted to get out. He didn't want to be in that room. He did not want to be near her, um, or anyone at that. He was just, he didn't like it. And he was, pulling at my shirt, scratching at my stomach, biting me. And when I didn't acknowledge the behavior or I just tried to kind of like squat down and kind of just hold him, um, he started slapping or banging his head on the floor and screaming. And she's like, is this how life, is this how he always is? I'm like, most of the time, yeah. If he doesn't get in his way or if he hears the word no or things like 4th of July, he reacted the same way with slamming his head onto the the concrete. Um. So that's when she, and at this point he was about two and a half Okay. when he said, okay, you know what, let's, let's go see, um, like a neuropsych. And this was, um, right in the very, very beginning of COVID. So getting him in anywhere just wasn't happening, you know, and neuropsych evaluations were just not an in-person help wasn't happening. They're like, well, if you think he's a danger to himself, you can admit him. I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do to a two and a half year old who just spent three and a half months in a hospital. Like, right. So, wow. Yeah. We, we found an amazing neuro and we still see her and we've been working with her. And then, um, we, the first, the very first thing that she did was treat him for ADHD. Okay. And they put him on medication and 
it was the very next day that I texted my husband and I was like, he's just sitting there playing with toys. Like he, that never happened. Like this was a kid that all he ever did was run and jump and climb. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it was, you know, on the safety things, like if I had to even go to the bathroom, he would have to go into a booster seat at the kitchen table buckled up because he would run outside or he would climb on the countertop. And so I'm like, I told my husband, I'm like, I just went to the bathroom. He was he was playing very quietly. I left the door open. You don't <laughs> even was, like no. think about those things, and but he, yeah, just like the daily. Right yeah, it was. And within weeks, um, he started talking for like, rather than like, he did a little bit talk at home to mm-hmm. us, like immediate family, but not to grandparents or aunts or uncles or anybody else. But his, his, language at that point, you know, two and a half was one word. It would be drink, food, you know, blankie. Yeah. Um, yeah. and one day he just woke up or came up to me. He's like, can I have a drink? And I just was like, who are you? Like, what, we, what, <laughs> what, what? Yeah. yeah. So, wow. um, I, then I think the next thing that we did is have him evaluated for, um, a program through a school district. They have a, um, they call it an at-risk preschool program for kids who need a little bit extra assistance for kindergarten, whether it's speech therapy, um, special ed. And um, they couldn't even evaluate him at first because he was all over the place. And finally, we, we, got, we got an evaluation done and um, it was just so hard to get any knowledge on what his brain knew because, um, his social and emotional side of things. Like he didn't want to be around people. Mm -hmm. And, um, we got him into a program through, um, our district called CEDAW, which is, um, like the Lake County special ed department of special ed. And they, I mean, between the medication and the school that he has been in, um, you would never even know that this was a child that, I mean, he still is, rambunctious and still has struggles, but not nearly to the extent that, that we saw, you know, a year ago or two years ago, most definitely. Wow. So how did you feel when you got the diagnosis? Was there anything that you wish you would have known? Um, I think my first um, reaction was very immature. (laughs) It was kind of like one of those, like, I told you, I knew yeah. it. I knew that yeah. there wasn't, yeah. I knew it. Um, I have, I have a special guest here. Because <laughs> I'm asking you nicely to do so. Okay. I'm almost done. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's like mom life at its finest. Here we are recording and a little perfect. peanut comes in to say hi. I mean, just, it is what. It is. It's life. So he loves the camera. So and <laughs> I mean, I, Zoom's I been her. If anyone came down, it would be her. Yeah. Yep. Thank, oh. Thank you, honey. I'll be up in a few minutes. Okay. Sorry. Oh, um, but yeah, there was there was that point where I was just like, you know, I knew it, and I I've been I've been working so hard to to get answers, and I think at the end of the day, it didn't matter to me what mm-hmm. they told me. I think it was an 
um, between the doctors and the school programs that I went to, it was that validation of, no, you're not crazy. You're not yeah. just a tired mom. This yeah. is real. Yes. And, and, and I think it was, um, you know, family members and friends that were just like, well, you just have a lot going on. I'm like, no, this isn't just a lot going on. Yeah. This is yeah. this is more than that. So I think that's when my reaction was like, I told you I wasn't crazy. Like I knew something wasn't, I say something wasn't right because he is so perfect, but right. something wasn't typical or normal or, um, the, you realize the, that there was like support that you could get outside of just you being like right. the best mom that you're being like, you had this idea of like, there's something else that I can do to help him feel, feel good too. Right. Um, he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't want to feel like he's out of control or like, I'm sure like being hurt, getting your, like breaking your femur, like that stinks. Like yeah. two and a half year old wants to be stuck doing, dealing with that. So like just being able right. to imagine like, yeah, you are completely validated and here's some things that we can do. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think that was my biggest thing. And, and I knew, I knew people in, in the special ed program, this is going to turn into a big, a big show now. Um, like I knew, like, I remember at one point I reached out to Sheena, I had friends who were special ed teachers and people that I could like, okay, this is, this is what I'm seeing. And I know that something is off and I just want to do right by my child, you know, yep. and give them the yeah. tools that they need. And, but also at the same time, like I needed tools too. I, right. um, you know, I cannot parent, parent my youngest child the same way that I would parent this little one over here, you know, like if they're, and I know there are variations between, um, neurotypical children where it's, you know, some, you know, need a little bit more of a stern voice, some just a a warning, you know, but at the same time, in general, I, we can't even really talk to our youngest the same way, like idioms and stuff. Like, it's not like I can say, knock it off. He'll look at me and be like, knock what off? Yeah. You know, like, what do you mean? Like, and he'll literally not like he's he's following your direction right yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's what it is so um it was a relief to know that I I had a network of friends that um were able to kind of guide me into okay this is what you should do next and Mm -hmm. and this is you know how, how to navigate the situation and even help me um become a better mom. And even with the school program, teaching me zones of regulation and, you know, learning that, you know, the word no was a trigger to him. And instead of saying, no, you can't have candy before dinner saying, you know, something along the lines of, you know what, candy sounds really good. Let's put it right here and we'll eat it after we eat dinner or first we'll eat dinner and then we'll have a piece of candy, you know, it just, completely having to retrain my brain, mm-hmm. you know, and it, now it just works that that's just how I, I talk to, I think everybody. <laughs> yeah. Sounds better. Not have to say no. Right. They're right. saying the same thing, but somehow the yeah. delivery is incredible. Do right. you feeling, you feeling validated? I mean, you had that background. Um, what advice or what would you say to parents who, who aren't maybe coming from that lens, who, who don't, 
might not even be know anything about autism and they're thinking, you know what, something I'm, I'm having kind of some red flags myself about my child. What would you give to parents if they have any questions of like where to start or what to do? Um, I feel like as a parent, and especially as moms, we have this, this intuition and this gut feeling. So it's like, if, you know, even if it's something as simple as, you know, my child is a year old and not walking and that doesn't feel right for you. Oh, and now we've got the dog. You know, it, getting an evaluation doesn't hurt at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if that can, you know, come back and say, you know what, yes, your child needs some physical therapy and we'll work with them or there's absolutely nothing wrong with your child. You know, you have nothing to worry about. Right. I mean, having that peace of mind, but at the same time, um, it, there's this fine line of, yes, all children are different in, in their own unique ways, but also recognizing, you know, that, um, that intuition of, you know, I just don't feel that this is right. And yeah, um, like I started with my pediatrician and as you guys heard, it didn't, it didn't go very well for me. Um, and, and I didn't know who to turn to. I was lucky that, um, I was in mom groups and, and I had yeah. friends who were in the special ed program where it's like, what do I do? These are what, yeah. this is what I'm seeing, yeah. you know, and people are like, oh, well, my child is seven and they have ADHD and this is how they behave. I'm like, well, okay, he's not seven, but you know, I think it was just putting myself out there and asking people like, Hey, has yeah. anybody been down this road before? And I, I don't think I was ever afraid to ask for help or guidance or, um, knowledge and experience because I felt, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going yeah. on. And, and if somebody can give me some magic potion, then yeah. I will take it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I my hands raised over here. Yeah. yeah. I'll take Bring it. it. <laughs> yes. Um, so with him now being in school, how, like, how has that been navigating school supports and the, and IEPs? Like for someone who obviously like we're trained in IEPs, but like from the parent perspective, like navigating in your first IEP, um, how was that as like from the parent lens and what would be some tips that you could give parents as they, who might be new to special education or, you know, entering their first IEP? Um, I had a very little bit of experience with IEPs with, with my daughter, um, for speech. And I mean, it, her okay. IEP was like maybe three pages. I mean, it was just this <laughs> yeah. quick little meeting and it's where, um, where these are the areas to work on easy peasy. And when I went into my youngest, um, first, the, that very first IEP meeting with, you know, I had like the superintendent and my husband and we're, we're all there and they hand me this, this bundle of paper that was probably, oh gosh, I have it down right here. It, it was well over an inch thick. And, and I'm, I'm looking at these pages and I'm thinking, okay, so my child is, I, I think it was two years and four months, I believe is the, the age <laughs> that he was. It's funny how you have like these little things that just stand out and yeah. they were, um, on, on a lot of levels, 
um, scaling him at a 12 to 15 month, 12 to 18 month old. And part of it, seeing that on paper really broke my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it also wasn't a shock to me because I mean, things like he didn't know colors or animals or shapes or sizes. I mean, I knew he didn't know that stuff, but to have mm-hmm. it all right in front of me, but I think for me, it wasn't really ever scary or overwhelming. I think I was at a point where um, I was just so happy to finally be on a path to help and yeah. and doing what what we needed to do um, as parents and as educators for for my son. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it had things from you know learning shapes and colors to learning letters, numbers. Um, and we have yearly meetings. And I, I think I always just, after that first initial meeting and, and him starting school and falling in love with the program that he was in, um, I never questioned any of the things that they said to me because I had full, tr- I've seen the progress that he has made and, right. and how much now that they've done. Incredible. Yeah. So I'm like, it wasn't ever I think at first it was intimidating, but I had knowing that, um, this, this wasn't like a a deposition or a very intimidating situation. This was uh, a meeting to set up. What are the steps that the school and the educators can make to, to provide the best learning environment and give my youngest the tools that he needs to like where he's at now, head off to kindergarten in a handful of months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing it back a little bit just for listeners who, who aren't familiar. An IEP um, is an individualized education plan. And so some students who may need like a little extra support, like Kim said, sometimes it's just for speech, like you're working on your R's or some language goals. And sometimes it's a lot more um, where you're hiding speech or getting occupational therapy or getting academic support, social work. And so it's really the whole education team coming together and partnering with parents with obviously the goal of supporting kids, however they may need it. And ideally it's a good partnership. And it sounds great Kim, yes. that you have that. Um, and I know Sheena and I, when we worked together, I remember one of my first, uh, I think it was like an orientation. Um, some, a woman who was in charge of everything threw a frozen Turkey on the table. Sheena, you weren't in this one with me. Cause you had already been working at the school, but she threw a frozen Turkey on the table without saying anything. And, you know, everyone's looking around the room, like what the, what is going on? And she's like, the feeling you guys are having right now should never be the feeling that a parent has. A parent has. Yes. That parents yeah. should always know what's going on. Parents should always be part of the process of, you know, coming up with goals um, or, or support or, or making sure that just like what you said, Kim, like you're seeing the progress that should be done. Um, and I like to pride ourselves she knew that that's what we did yeah Um, and and again it's it's not always the case but as a parent you you have such a strong voice and you obviously know your kid the best um, but hopefully it's it's such a process that you can feel good about it and have your kid feel good about liking school too I think that's just so key um 
that that at school is a place where they can feel supported, they can feel good, they can feel like they're they're also getting what they need. So just wanted to throw that out there for our um, our listeners. Yeah, and yeah. I think especially you know I think emphasizing the partnership. I I you know obviously I'm still in the special education world. Um, and I never want parents to feel anxious going into an IEP meeting. I never want them to be blindsided going into an IEP meeting. Um, I want it to be more of a conversation and, and reviewing, you know, like you said, the progress, the sports that are going to be in place. Um, right. so it's nice to hear from you, Kim, that you've had such a positive experience with that. Yeah. I feel like, um, the biggest and most important thing that parents need to know is I feel like as parents, we really focus on, um, even with our neurotypical children, um, doing well and, Mm -hmm. and, um, doing their best and exceeding and, um, you know, learning your letters on time and learning to write your name on time and, and doing all of what everybody else is capable and willing or able to do. Um, and, I felt like I had to put my brain in a different perspective with my youngest and just realize that this, this isn't like a race. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, mm-hmm. we are not in, um, there are areas on his IEP that he, um, he quickly excelled at and they were able just to say, he's mastered Heck. this. We yeah. don't need it. Um, yeah. there were areas that, you know, this, especially the social and emotional, um, that they're still really, really working on. And, you know, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses, but it also is knowing that, you know, you're communicating with the teachers and vice versa of, yeah, I see that, you know, he is writing his name. And if you were to ask him how to spell his name, he can verbalize it and he can spell out his, um, older siblings names as, five years old, which is remarkable, but, um, you take a toy away from him and it's a completely different, you know, mentality. And there are going to be things that don't get mastered as quickly as others. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think going into those meetings and hearing, you know, well, your child still hasn't mastered this area doesn't necessarily mean that your child is failing. It just means that we need to either find a new strategy or we need to keep working at it and they will get it. Um, Mm -hmm. But knowing that they have that support and that guidance, I think um, is, was always reassuring to me where it's like, okay, I know social emotional is where we struggle with the most. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think something to keep in mind is that there's a saying if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism Mm -hmm. because everyone is so different, right? So you can have someone on the autism spectrum who is really just has some struggles with the, the social emotional, you know, domain. You can have someone who might be a nonverbal communicator. Um, there's just such a vast, I mean, that's why it's a spectrum disorder, right? There's the spectrum is huge. Um, so I think, just recognizing that every child is different. Every child has, you know, their unique qualities, um, their unique strengths, areas for growth. Um, 
but yeah, that you can't compare. It's not, there, there are no apples to apples or, you know, in when it comes to autism. So, right. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, when I had said, like, you can't compare children, they all develop in their own ways. A realizing, especially visiting um, my youngest at school and seeing um, the, the difference between, you know, all of there's, there's nine kids in his class um, in each unique way. It was like, you know, very opening um, to realize that this isn't just a, you know, um, diabetes or you right. know, even with like ADHD, it's a very kind of simple, I don't want to say simple diagnosis because it's not simple at all, but um, <laughs> learn that one. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's almost like a blanket diagnosis where this is like, you can. Um, there's like a very clear cut, like diagnosis. There's tip, you know, there's several recommended treatment plans, right? We know the strategies right. that work for kids with ADHD, whereas kids on the autism spectrum are, are, you know, it's trying to figure figure out the puzzle pieces for them. Right. And that's been, um, I feel like, um, the, the hardest, but most rewarding, um, part of raising my youngest is learning, um, okay, how, how can I approach this situation without, causing an explosive meltdown, you know, knowing like, like I had talked about like the candy before, mm -hmm. um, breakfast or before dinner or, you know, when, um, cause like siblings do, sometimes we don't always share very nicely and we take <laughs> toys and learning that, you know, wait, hold on, stop, you know? And, um, I know one of his teachers actually wrote him a, a social story that was talking about, you know, um, it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be mad, but it's not okay to hurt. And so then it was like, you know, like he really liked that story. He really connected with it. So we just kept saying it. We kept, you know, like, I see you're mad. It was really learning that he's, he really thrived when I named and acknowledged his emotions and and um, guided him through it because I felt like with especially with him you know he didn't or doesn't know how to handle those extreme emotions mm -hmm. whether it is extreme yeah. joy or extreme mm -hmm. tired or extreme anger or frustration um, he doesn't know how to name it or navigate through it so learning how um, I think was a, it's still, it's still a challenge and I am far from perfecting it, but, um, being able to, to kind of navigate that and navigate that with him and, and see him develop more, you know, and, you know, with like my other kids, I'd be like, Hey, he had it first, give it back, you know? Yeah. Um, and kind of like, lastly, as we, you know, we talked a lot about your experience with him and going through it. But also I feel like we've kind of guided over this part of like, you have this little boutique thing or like what you do on the side. Like, I just want to know, like, what do you do for you? I think being a mom, you know, it has its joys and it's brings a lot of highs, a lot of lows. What do you do for you? Like, how do you find um, time? What do you like to do? 
my, my little boutique is my, um, it's my happy little accident. Um, I had always been one of those natural mamas without being like too crazy, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I tried to, um, many, many years ago, reduce as many chemicals as possible in my life and be cleaner to the environment. And, um, I just always made my own lotions um, and bath bombs or bath salts, and I used essential oils, and uh, that was always something that I've always been very passionate about, and I did it. um, That was like my therapy. When kids would go to bed at night, I would um, make bath bombs, and sometimes I would sell them. Um, way, way back in the day, I would, you know, give gift baskets to, you know, a mom who needed some self-care or... um, and it, it timed up really perfectly with, with Austin and his, his injuries in 2019. Um, COVID hit and everything shut down right before Easter and nobody could go shopping for Easter gifts and everyone was supporting small businesses. So um, my business just took off and turned into a full-time job. Um, and I have a website, I do wholesale orders now and it yeah, is tell, tell people where can they find you? Um, on Facebook, my group is called simply blissful boutique and mm-hmm. it's simply blissful is my website. Um, and it's strictly all out of my house. I try to do office hours during the day. And then when kids go to bed, I turn my music up and, grab myself a mom drink and I just go create (laughs) and fulfill orders. And uh, I love it. Oh, we're like getting a little sneak peek of what you got going on. Oh my gosh. Amazing. We're cleaning out linen closets. So that's all blankets to be donated. (laughs) But yeah, this is just my whole dining room is, you know, ingredients and shelving racks and all the, all the crazy, you know, I've got. And I will say that, um, Kim does these like really just like really cute designs and so like at Christmas she's got like snowmen or ones that look like Santa um I think I've gotten like unicorn ones for my nieces so um they're not like just like the plain bath bombs that you can get at like Target they're really they're really cute and creative so yeah shout out for that yeah. gnomes. And I mean, I have your, your typical round ones and just plain lavender, but yeah, I do like to, um, find molds and kind of do stuff that's out of the box, but, and I think it ties in well with, with my kids. Cause, and being a parent, um, I think every child goes through a stage of not wanting to take a bath. So that's when, um, I think it started with my, my seven-year-old where I was like, well, I wonder if I made him like a superhero bath bomb, if he'd be excited <laughs> about it. So like, and it worked. And I was like, maybe I'm onto something here. This, could, this could be yeah. a mix. And my three-year-old loves bath bombs. So yeah, yeah. fun yeah. for all ages. Yeah. 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 So, well, well thank you yeah. so much for, for joining us tonight and sharing a little bit about your story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Any, any last words of advice or what you want people to know when they think about their autism or um, just really hiding, highlighting this autism awareness month? You know, the only thing that I could say is in the very early stages, I generally felt like I was, I was crazy. 
um, or people made me out to think like, oh, he's, he's too young. He's just a baby. And it's, um, you know, just really believing that inner thought and, and knowing that there are thousands of parents and, you know, educators and people out there who will stop what they're doing in a heartbeat. Like if anybody ever sent me a message and said, Hey, can I ask you a question? Cause my child's doing X, Y, and Z. I'd be like, I got you. Let's talk, you know? And, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I feel like there is a community out there that is so incredibly supportive and all you have to do is just open the door for yourself and, and not be afraid to ask for help because there, there will be millions of people that'll reach you, you know, reach out to you with open arms and you're definitely not alone. So that's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at underscore and then we had kids. Thanks again. And like we say, life used to be carefree and then we had kids.